Gotham Season 5, Episode 2, Trespassers. I'm David Mizzuz, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. This is Andrew Sellen, Mr. Penn on Gotham, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Thanks so much, Mr. Pet himself, Andrew Selden, for that little new intro for us for this episode. Uh, I interviewed Andrew Selden this week. We should have that interview out uh, just after the third episode released. Thanks so much, Andrew, for that. Yeah, thank you so much, Andrew, for uh, joining us on Gotham TV Podcast to give an interview and your thoughts all about your time on Gotham and in particular for this last season as well. Mm-hmm. Welcome back, Gothamites. This is our 130th episode of Gotham TV Podcast, where we're talking about Gotham Season 5, Episode 2, Trespassers. Yes, welcome, Gothamites. Welcome, fellow detectives. It's great to have you back. I am the other half of Gotham TV Podcast, your host, John. Yes. <laughs> Did I forget my name again? It's Derek, by the way. It is, yes. <laughs> you know what I love, John? We started out doing our little videos over on YouTube. If you haven't checked them out, go over to youtube.com, uh, find Gotham TV Podcast there. And we've been doing our three shocking moments from the first couple of episodes. We set this up before uh, we watched the first episode of season five. <laughs> I think we're definitely going to be able to do a season of three shocking moments from episodes, aren't we? Oh, I think so. Yes, <laughs> there is shocks galore in this episode, episode mm-hmm. two, Trespassers uh, of Gotham, as Jim and Harvey head on over to the dark zone where it gets dark, violent, and very zony uh, in Gotham. <laughs> yes, it's getting very fractured, actually. But before we get into episode two, we have some feedback through from episode one on our Facebook group over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Gotham TV podcast. If you haven't joined um, Gotham TV podcast on Facebook, please head on over and join the group there and join the community for all the discussions about Gotham. Uh, we'd love to have you. So the first bit of feedback comes through from Matt McKenzie. He goes, the first episode of season five was great. The No Man's Land comic story arc is what got me back into comics. So I was geeking out big time. Yeah, thank you, Matt. It's really good to see um, the the comics uh, being used again in Gotham. Like, you know, when it started off in season one, it very much was... Um, you know, Gotham Central was this vibe to it where it was centered around the GCPD. Uh, in fact, Ben McKenzie had uh, shown a, a selection of Gotham Central comics that he was using to research uh, his role as Jim Gordon in mm-hmm. Gotham. So uh, it, it's really interesting that they've now brought this back to No Man's Land, which, again, you know, is about Gotham being isolated from the wider world and, and hemmed in and this... Uh, competing interests of um, the different gangs, the different factions, the different villains in Gotham. So uh, really nice to see um, them using some of this really rich, wonderful material as part of the inspiration for season five. So yeah, thanks, Matt, for uh, the feedback. It's not rare that they use the comic books as inspiration. Obviously, uh, Gotham has used 
pieces of comic books and obviously the comic book characters themselves to inform the story but it's great they're using so much of no man's land for non-comic book readers you may recognize no man's land because it served as the inspiration for uh, the dark knight rises when bane attacked gotham um, and turned the uh, one percenters into the poor poverty-stricken people of the city this also forms some of the inspiration for the Arkham City games. If you're a gamer, you'll notice some of the things that are in here that that were served in those games as well. Um, but yeah, the No Man's Land arc is huge. There's so much that goes on. I think there's it's somewhere in the region of about 100 individual comics that make up the overall story. But I love that they've used some inspiration from that arc for the opening of this season anyway thanks so much for that feedback matt it's really good to hear from you absolutely thank you matt for the feedback and yes if you want to get into uh no man's land the comic arc it is massive yes um yeah it's at least four volumes of collected comics uh, maybe even i think six so yeah huge huge uh bit of work there but worth every moment uh to to get into it yeah, and then finally, some feedback in from Johnny over on Twitter, uh, at Born to Eat Bacon. Mm-hmm. He says, great episodes and great podcasts. I think the spinal mush comment was a sloppy way of saying pinch nerves die. If there is pressure on her spinal cord, it needs to be relieved immediately to save what function she does have. Uh, excellent stuff. Yeah, thank you, Johnny. Um, certainly, I think, uh, yes. Uh, they look to relieve that uh, mushy spinal column uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, despite the electricity going off and the generators kicking in, uh, yeah, it was good that she was saved from any kind of further pain here. Um, but obviously we see in this episode uh, the route to possibly her salvation. Not magic mushrooms, but magic acorns. Yes. So uh, interesting. Thank you, Johnny. Yeah, thanks for that explanation, Johnny. I know we had a little bit of confusion last week when we heard the comment from the uh, from the doctor to Bruce and Alfred telling them her spine will turn to mush. Yeah, so a little bit of confusion, but I'm sure he was just dumbing it down for Bruce, who doesn't have a medical degree, and neither does Alfred, obviously, so uh, potentially just dumbing it down for them. But thanks very much for that. And fellow Gothamites, a good shout out there. Make sure you follow uh, Born to Eat Bacon on Twitter. He puts up the most fantastic dioramas using uh, Gotham action figures, uh, making up scenes and storylines that he wants to see uh, from the show. Some really good ones to, to have a look on there. Yeah, really, really good stuff. So uh, yeah, thank you at Born to Eat Bacon. Uh, really good to get your your thoughts on the episode of Gotham. Before we get into our spoiler-filled review, please remember, fellow Gothamites, to subscribe to the podcast over at GothamTVPodcast.com where you can go to any evil or good podcast catcher of your choice to listen. Please subscribe, rate us, and leave a review. Every little bit helps. Thank you. And thanks so much to everybody that's joined us for the first time for Season 5. It's been great getting some new listeners on board this time. Yeah, really definitely. Really good to to hear that we've got some new listeners jumping on board. Uh-huh. It's great to build this community, even if we are in our fifth season and our final season of Gotham. Uh, you know, this fandom is huge and immense and will continue, no doubt, uh, following the final episode of season five of Gotham. And it's always just fun to spend a bit of time with the last 12 episodes with brand new friends and old friends, of course. As we mentioned last week, we have an interview with David Mazous about this episode as well. Um, This is his thoughts about meeting the witch. Hey, Derek. Hiya, David. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing good, mate. Doing good. Welcome back. 
Thank you. In episode two, we kind of see that Bruce has now moved on to support Selena. We see that he's willing to do anything he can to to save her life, really. Um, we had a horrible moment at the end of season one where Selena chooses that maybe she doesn't want to continue the way she is. But Bruce goes into this brand new creepy zone <laughs> controlled by Poison Ivy, uh, pretty much, as I say, willing to do anything. Um, what's it like playing Bruce's more manipulative side in order to get what he wants? Um, it was uh, it was really fun. You know, I mean... Throughout throughout the you know throughout the entire five years, Bruce has had so many faces, um, you know, and and not just like literally, you know, because there was that too. Um, but um, uh, but he's had so many kind of different uh, personas that he's had to embody uh, and put on. So whenever there's a new one added to the roster, it's always really exciting. Um, and so and so yeah. So so when he comes to Poison Ivy, I, I love. I mean, I love um, how Peyton List um, brings brings Ivy to life, um, mm-hmm. and I love. Um, Bruce's relationship with her, he's always kind of skeptical, like, what do you want now? You know, yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, she almost she, killed she, him back in season four, so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. She's dangerous, and everyone knows she's dangerous, but mm. she's also kind of very unpredictable, and um, uh, and her her goals and her, um, uh, her her desires are kind of very adolescent, so it's uh, it's a funny, it's a funny kind of thing combination to have in one character but yeah i mean bruce is really trying to help selena and like you said do whatever he can he's gonna have to make this very consequential choice and um it's gonna change selena and his relationship with selena forever absolutely a nice little bit of insight there from david bezos into his playing of the manipulative side of bruce wayne once again to get what he wants um Obviously, when I was recording that interview with Davin Bazus, I didn't realize how surprising it would be that the witch was Poison Ivy. I don't know whether it was because we'd seen an interview with John Stevens at New York Comic Con where he said for definite Poison Ivy would be a big feature of this final season of Gotham since she didn't get a moment at the end of the season. She was going to have her own area of Gotham. So I didn't even ask him. Was he surprised at who the witch was going to be after after episode one? Uh, he just loves playing alongside Peyton List, as as we recalled there in the, in our interview. Last time he met up with her, she poisoned him, and he had that vision of the future with all of the other characters in Gotham dressed in their future counterpart uh, moments, and then left him to die. So this is the first time they're meeting up. A really good thing that he points out, which I always forget when we're when we're speaking about this version of Ivy, because this is the second one that we've had since Claire Foley uh, played the part of the young Ivy Pepper. She is still a young girl. So that moment when Bruce convinces her to work with him, well, actually, he's just convincing a 15-year-old. Her plan isn't for world domination. Her plan is to save her plants and her part of the city. He's actually convincing a 15-year-old girl who is a friend and has a friend in Selena Kyle. He's he's helping her to work through her issues so that she can help him out rather than saying she's a crazy villainess, which I think is an interesting point to keep in mind when Ivy's on screen. Yeah, and I really like the fact that this suspiciousness and the lack of trust really between these two really comes like from Ivy's perspective from a really kind of um an adolescent almost a bit like having a bit of a mood swing mm-hmm. really um you know and it, it's it's any given day really with Ivy as to how she might take Bruce Wayne so I think like it's really interesting hearing David uh, talk about how um he has to be manipulative here um he has to be kind of slightly controlling as to um as to how he approaches Ivy so that he can ultimately get her to help him and to help 
um selena so it, this, this this is really really nice um i also like the idea of the many faces of of bruce wayne mm-hmm. um you know if nothing else it, it hints to one of the great characters of gotham which is two-face as well <laughs> and the brutal ganger of course don't forget he has played two different versions of yeah, bruce as well so very true very cool so yeah a big thank you david mazus uh for your thoughts on episode two really appreciated um as always I bet you're looking forward to his his episode three thoughts as well. We've got those coming on the next episode. Let's get into our spoiler-filled discussion about Legend of the Dark Knight, which is Gotham Season 5, Episode 2, Trespassers. Yeah, Derek, what are some of the episode details? Well, the episode was written by Danny Cannon, our wonderful leader. He always gets the first two episodes right, doesn't he? He really does, doesn't he? And (laughs) he does wonderful stuff with them as well. So, Mm -hmm. yes, our leader... Maybe he is one of the leaders of one of the zones of Gotham. Maybe. That maybe. would be quite cool for the final season that Danny can, you know, he's been there from season one, episode one, that he gets to control his own zone in Gotham. I don't think he will, unfortunately. I think this is actually the last part of Gotham that Danny Cannon was involved in. Originally, anyway, I know the season has been extended to 12 episodes, so potentially Danny Cannon got another hand in towards the end of the season. But I know himself and uh, John Stevens have gone off to work on Pennyworth. Uh, at this point, they've already gone into casting and they've already gone, in, gone into setting up Pennyworth, which is filming in the UK at the moment. So, um, so I think he's gone from the show after this point. I'm sure he's still checked in very regularly, but, uh, but I think this was the last official credit he got absolutely but i just feel you know given the strong musical element that he has brought to this show that he could be in the sid vicious zone <laughs> possibly you know? possibly or else doing the music in sirens bar mm. now that tabitha is no longer working there anyway don't want to bring back whole old wounds. Um, this episode was directed by Lewis Shaw Melito, another one of the directors that has worked on Gotham over the years. Uh, back in season two, he did A Bitter Pill to Swallow. In season three, he did The Gentle Art of Making Enemies. And in season four, I did three episodes, did The Fear Reaper, Things That Go Boom, and That Old Corpse. So great to have Lewis Shaw Melito back for the final season. Excellent stuff. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for the episode? Sure. After the arrival of the orphan boy Will Thomas from the Dark Zone, Jim Gordon and Harvey Bullock head off to investigate and rescue kids who have been kidnapped and forced into slave labour by an unknown gang. As they head across a fractured Gotham, Barbara proves to be an unlikely ally to Gordon and Bullock as they meet some violent and uncompromising gangs and a spooky mother and child. Meanwhile, as Bruce Wayne looks into an alleged witch with healing powers to help Selina Kyle, he comes across a familiar friend, or is that foe, who offers him magic acorns. And elsewhere, Gothed Enigma begins to deal with his less-than-gothic demons. Gothed Enigma, I love it. I had to. I just love his goth hair. It's so good. I do expect him to do the flick. Well, do you know what's brilliant? Again, after seeing the show with other Gotham fans, other people who've watched the episode, guess what we missed out and what we didn't pick up about Goth Enigma, John? The hairstyle that he has. Guess who it's based on? Leslie Tompkins? No, it's based on Jim Carrey's version of the Riddler back from Batman Forever. Oh, yeah, of course. Yes. It's because it's not orange, that's why. Yes, but it's the Enigma version of his yes, hair, of course. Yes, which was all floppy and kind of mad science look. 90s goth. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> Excellent. There you go. Well done, Internet, for catching that one. We missed it, of course. 
But luckily, that was one of the only things they kept from the Riddler from back in the yes. 90s. Although I do happen to really uh, kind of enjoy that role. Well, you love Jim Carrey. So I do. Especially it, it, 90s Jim Carrey. It feels like Ace Ventura has come to Gotham. <laughs> Let's get on to our case notes before we have another discussion about Ace Ventura on this podcast. Our case note number one, the Suitsayers is the gang creating a tunnel out of Gotham. Somebody had to, really. All the bridges are gone, so somebody should be trying to get out of uh, get out of Gotham. But they're using orphans. They're using kids who they've basically stolen and made work for them. There is a really interesting moment where Gabriel, the oldest of all the kids, it seems like everybody over the age of 12 is dead, and he's the only one left. Is what yeah, it seems he, like. he's kind of, it's kind of like they're all under 10, and then all of a sudden there's Gabriel, who's about 18. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's a really interesting moment where he points out, you know, well, we all have to bend over when we're going through this tunnel. It's it's so small, it's so compact. And there's only about half an inch between that and the river. Like when we hit the river, which is the thing you're trying to dig under, the whole thing's going to get flooded. You know, it's it doesn't sound like the greatest of plans, but somebody had to try it at least. They're just not using the greatest of, of means. It seems like they're trying to tunnel out to bring in some, some more uh, goods to be traded in the city rather than trying to get out of the city. They're not the greatest of plans. No, but... The concept is good. You know, let's tunnel, let's get out of Gotham, let's tunnel under. I mean, maybe take a boat or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless the army truly is going to, like, fire on a dinghy full of kids, then um, maybe it's kind of over-egging the pudding to dig a tunnel when they could just take a boat. But I think they're trying to do it surreptitiously as well as the whole thing. So, as I say, it's like as if they're trying to create a new way in and out of the city. Yeah, so it's more contraband stuff, exactly. really. Yeah. But, you know, the soothsayers um, are kind of interesting. You know, they have a gas. So, you know, they've all got these masks on, breathing in a gas called smoke um, that seems to give themselves power. And um, their leader definitely looked like um, as soon as he took that off, his skin was beginning to bubble, oh, yes. um, which really, really did remind me of Planet Terror, um, which was the Robert Rodriguez uh, part or half of uh, Grindhouse uh, with the zombie kind mm -hmm. of flick that they did, which was kind of interesting, I thought. Uh, but a great name, the Soothsayers. Um, yeah, I'm sure breathing in smoke, probably they won't last too long, uh, but it seems to be working for them so far. And of course, just as you say that is where I work out exactly what's happened. Basically, everybody else has taken that offer except for Gabriel, right? That's where the rest of the suits areas are formed from. Gabriel hasn't taken the offer because he wants to stay with the orphans and wants to help them out. That's where it is. Ah, uh, yes. I get it. But ultimately, these soothsayers are going to really come into contact with Jim and Harvey at some point because the two of them mount a, a rescue on the basis of Will Thomas, the orphaned child who kind of showed up at the end of episode one, mm -hmm. telling them that there was this slave gang forcing children to work against their will um, and, you know, beating them up, killing them, uh, basically being pretty nasty to these orphan children. But that, um, you know, they have to now go through this this area of Gotham known as the Dark Zone. So, But it is kind of a convoy. It's not just Jim and Harvey. There's a group of police officers that go in convoy to rescue or find this location and then rescue the children that are there. Uh, but they must go through the, the Sirens territory as well. So it, it does 
bring about a great little encounter with Barbara. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really love Barbara Keane and Jim Gordon once again this season. Uh, just having those moments together. That's where they get all the equipment to, to make this run effectively. The GCPD don't have any of their uh, former equipment from when they were in control of the city or were trying to fight for control of the city before No Man's Land. Um, she has all of the good vehicles, the tanks, the stuff that they need to get across the other side of the city. So, uh, so Jim goes once again to try and get Barbara back and try and get her to help him out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one of the other quick things as well, finally on the soothsayers, as soon as I saw that they were breathing something in, I did wonder whether they were Bane's gang or something right, like that right. as well. But I don't think it is um, after looking at it. And of course, after asking Derek about a million questions as to whether this was Bane or whether it was Bane smoke or was it an injection of a liquid or a gel or a drug of some sort, then uh, yes, these probably are not Bane's gang or anything like that. And why? Because everybody with me, it's Venom that he uses. Yes. So we've seen Viper in the show that turned into Venom and we will hopefully see Bane coming into the show later on this season. Uh, with his use of venom, so uh, so very different. Uh, these guys with their gas masks, but it does have that great encounter with uh, with Harvey Harvey Bullock, where the leader of the suit series is saying to him, "Why are you wearing the cop outfit?" And he goes, "Well, I went down to the Halloween shop. They're all out of gas masks, so it was either this points his police badge or a sexy nurse outfit." <laughs> Fantastic, Harvey Bullock. I would love it. Uh, let's get on to case note number two, John, because Bruce is visiting the witch. I mentioned it earlier on. It seems to have come as a huge surprise to people. I think everybody was expecting this was going to be Lee, was the, the number one option that I saw. I saw another couple of options as to who the witch could be. I saw Fish Mooney mentioned, as possibly she could be coming back from the dead for the third time uh, and owning an area of Gotham in no man's land. But no, the witch is Ivy Pepper. Yeah, it's really interesting, actually, because I must say, I I too didn't immediately think that this was going to be Ivy Pepper. Um, but certainly... I loved the whole witch and the villagers uh, thing about mm. this episode in the heart of Gotham, in Robertson Park, in the botanical gardens. Um, you have the Salem witches or the Pendle Hill witches or whatever kind of witch hunt uh, you can think of, mm-hmm. you know, that going on in the heart of Gotham with Ivy Pepper seen by the pitchfork wielding yokels as the witch of Gotham, peddling her powers, causing issues. And of course, we do see some fantastic effects here, I think, um, with the ivy creeping around the dead bodies oh, yeah. of some of the previously fallen um village folk so to speak and of course even their methods you know they've salted the earth they've put a ring of salt around ivy pepper to hold her in place and to remove her powers um and of course at the same time bruce uh, shows up wondering you know has he just gone back to kind of medieval england or something like that or you know to uh this this witching i mean i, I was expecting a ducking stool in the <laughs> botanical gardens pond uh to be honest it was giving me those kind of petty dreadful feels about <laughs> it really kind was of victorian era <laughs> england kind of thing uh, there is a great moment when ivy's trying to explain to bruce that everything's been going differently in the park that the park has been acting differently and david mazuse has this reaction on his face where he's like 
I really have nothing to say to that. I have no idea how to explain to you how weird that sounds. That's definitely wrong. But we find out that the reason the park is acting strangely, why Robinson Park is so different, is because she's been feeding the bodies of the dead locals to the plants in in the zone in Robinson Park and new things are being created. So effectively, she's kind of mating the plants with the locals by feeding their their body as compost to them. Um, you know, people haven't done that before. Were you getting a little bit of a, a little shop of horrors kind of vibe to this, John? Uh, big time, yeah. yeah. I mean, I have to say, seeing just the ivy kind of stranglehold its way around some of the, the fallen uh, men uh, that had gone to try and take her down it was mm-hmm. just really um nicely nicely done it really looked great how it wrapped around um them just continuously even just off camera slightly you know just out of um uh, the immediate vision of the camera you could see this ivy sort of creeping across the floor going around and around the the fallen victim so really nicely done i thought yeah, it's a great little touch, isn't it? It's when the guys are saying to Bruce, we've got her tied up, we've got her in the room, we've taken away light, we've taken away the air, we've salted the ground in front of her so she has no control anymore. And then you see the plants twist around, no knowing now that Ivy still has control. They've done nothing really to tame her. Uh, but Bruce does go in and save her. Bruce trusts her still, sort of. Yeah, I mean, that's what's kind of interesting here, isn't it? it, it especially given what uh, Davy Mazusa said in, in the interview. And it's also kind of the reason why I said friend and or foe mm-hmm. uh, in in the synopsis in that, you know, the, the childhood friendship that they had, or at least that um, relationship that they had through Selena Kyle really has kind of gone. There is a bit of a suspicious nature between these two, especially given what happened in last season between Ivy and Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's not an awful lot of trust between these two. And yet... Uh, Bruce has to override this, uh, has to override that suspicion of Ivy Pepper, uh, put himself in danger in order to get um, some hope for his his best friend, the person who he still cares about in Selena Kyle, mm-hmm. and hope that whatever uh, Ivy Pepper can possibly recommend um, that that will help save uh, Selena Kyle. And, and I, I think that's, um, you know, after he has released her, they go to this kind of fairly um, large tree. It's an oak tree. You've got all these kind of ruins around it. Um, and, you know, it was really nice. But ultimately, she she pulls out these magic acorns that she needs to eat. And these magic acorns will then wrap around Selena's spine and um, should restore her ability to walk. So, yeah, really uh, interesting stuff here. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely going down the mystical path of the creation of Catwoman, isn't it? Bruce does trust her, though, and brings the acorns back to Selina, uh, gives them to her. Selina kind of says to him, when he hesitates at all, he says, well, yesterday I was willing to kill myself, so if I die from this, there's no real loss, is there? Um, an interesting, convincing technique from uh, from Selina. Um, she goes into shock but recovers falls asleep and then as Bruce and Alfred are about to leave Bruce quickly checks back and realizes that Selena's no longer in the bed a nice scary little moment as he walks into the room and sees the window open you're kind of getting that suspicion that they were going to do the same thing from uh from Batman Returns where she's jumped out the window just after Bruce is gone but actually she's just standing behind him waiting for her to come back in saying she's back and better than ever and then we get as our closing moments of the episode we get the cat's eyes 
winking behind him. Yeah, it's a really good effect how her eyes sort of go from the normal human pupils to the dark slits of a a cat's eye. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really nicely done here, just to show that, you know, um, this acorn, everything that's happened to her, the magic surrounding this uh, acorn uh, really is lending itself to her becoming Catwoman uh, in in physical form. So, yeah, nicely done. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Really, really good. And she's back. Can't wait to see what's going to happen in the next episode. Yeah, I I think what was really nice as well was just that she had that kind of um, scruffy, sort of tousled look that I think Michelle Pfeiffer had in Batman Returns. You know, this idea that something is slightly off kilter, uh, not because she's wearing anything particularly different, just that... Um, she seems distracted. You know, there's maybe some subtle changes in the makeup that has been done by the makeup artist. And I thought that was done really nicely by um, Cameron Beacon Dover, actually, mm-hmm. just to give that sense that something wasn't quite right after the administration of this acorn uh, and her going into shock and everything. So that, I thought that was really nicely done. That's certainly not the first comparison that Cameron Bikendova has been getting to Michelle Pfeiffer and certainly won't be the last, I'd say. Let's get on to case note number three. Riddler on the prowl again. <laughs> I loved this moment in the episode. I loved seeing Riddler waking up in the morning thinking that he's found the perfect control. He wakes up, sees himself still uh, tied down to the bed with these with the big lock right in the middle. He takes the key and opens it up, really excited with himself, and goes into the bathroom and finds someone in the bath, yeah. half beaten to death. Yeah. That was a proper Gotham lock, uh, to be honest, <laughs> on, on uh, Enigma. Um, and, and I love the fact that, you know, he's all pleased as punch, but ultimately he has gone walkabout and he has then locked himself back in place to give the idea that he hasn't moved. Uh, but he walks into the uh, the bathroom only to find a member of the Street Demons gang in place um and he's kidnapped uh this member and begins to beat him up to really find out what happened what did he do but importantly he has to beat him up a second time to find out what he found out the previous night (laughs) brilliant brilliant stuff this does lend a little bit of credence to a theory that i didn't mention on our last podcast but i think we can say it now john my theory when we watched the first episode was Where's Lee Tompkins? Last we saw her was right beside the body of Riddler after both of them have been killed with Professor Hugo Strange standing over the two of them. Is Lee's brain the one that has been controlling uh, Riddler's nighttime movements? What do you think, John? Well, it's certainly a possibility. Has she been cutting his hair while he's been asleep? Or not. Shaping it? No, I think maybe more (laughs) wanting to grow the hair out, make it nice and long, and eventually get the straighteners on it. But I I do think that, um, yeah, I I think there's certainly a valid point here that she, he could be Lee Tompkins Mm -hmm. as well, that this dual personality has been manipulated by Professor Hugo Strange into... Um, maybe effectively three personalities here. One of Lee Tompkins, one of the Riddler, and one of Ed Nigma. Or oh, maybe one of them su- is subsuming the other at yeah. this moment. Which begs the question, what's happening to Lee Tompkins? And maybe she is behaving in a similar way to Ed Nigma here. And the alter ego that's going on with Lee Tompkins is the Riddler. So it, it could be quite interesting. Um, 
I think the only presence we're going to get to see of Lee Tompkins this season is in the mirror. Um, I'll direct our fellow Gothamites to have a look at the promotional photographs for Gotham. If you don't know them, pop onto our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Gotham TV podcast. Um, I'll pop the actual promotional photo of Lee Tompkins in season five in this post um, because she's wearing a green jacket as well. So in the promotional photograph, she's wearing a green jacket of herself. So this is very likely saying that she is now part of Riddler. What we saw at the beginning of the season is that he becomes fully Riddler in 320 or 330 odd days. So possibly Lee Tompkins is no more in the show. She has been killed, as we know, at the end of last season. And just her mind has been put into the body of Riddler, which would be interesting. But I like your idea that uh, that she's also on the other side of the city trying to operate on bodies. And she's got the Riddler inside her going, Yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows? (laughs) I mean, Hugo Strange is that kind of... Uh, Dr. Frankenstein type character. Mm-hmm. So who knows what creation he has been trying to do. Um, and hopefully it involves both bodies that are still animated in some way mm-hmm. uh, in Gotham. But what do we find here? Um, once he has beaten the street demon uh, gang member again, they head on over to their headquarters where um, effectively they've all been killed. A lot of blood um, and Vasquez, their leader, is dead. But with the graffiti on the wall with Penguin was here, which seems a little on the nose, even <laughs> for Penguin, that he would write that. Um, but ultimately... That there is, um, you know, a prophecy from this remaining, um, demon street gang member, um, who says that this will start a gang war, uh, a new street war, um, in Gotham. So, I mean, you know, not only is Gotham fracturing, not only is it massively violent and, um, eating itself, but here we have more fires being stoked. Uh, between the different factions and gangs across Gotham, mm-hmm. seemingly by the Penguin, but most likely, uh, I would say, from Ed Nigma here. Yeah, yeah, very likely, very likely. Uh, I'm interested to see how that one's going to play out as well. And, and interesting, again, that Riddler would actually go out of his way to stoke those fires uh, with the Penguin. Yeah, absolutely. But in this chaos that is Gotham, wandering the streets, or should I say with a purpose, not wandering, uh, there is Jim and Harvey uh, scything their way through the Sirens' territory. So on to Case Note 4. Jim joins up with Barbara and mother and child um yes so jim here uh ends up uh getting safe passage through the sirens territory by going to uh the sirens bar Uh, and we still have the repercussions of tabitha's death where babs is really saying well someone has got to plot revenge here it's just we're all going to die i think she says it's just some of us choose how to go she's still bitter that tabitha hasn't had that choice and Mm. she's really wanting jim to be on side here but his his focus is on saving these children and i do really like um as he leaves the sirens bar after he's been granted um the safe passage uh barbara shouts after him go out into the gotham you've created your judge jury and executioner no one else deserves to die more than Jim Gordon. Yeah, she's definitely very bitter at him. She's very annoyed that he didn't put down the penguin, as she says. She just restored his limp. Uh, you know, that's all that Jim Gordon did when he had the opportunity, when, she, when he had Penguin 
dead to rights. You know, you never know. The bullet could have backfired once again. Um, and, and Penguin could have been saved by divine intervention once again. Um, but yeah, I do like this kind of playing between these two characters. I love that Barbara calls after him that it's a police matter should be on your tombstone. <laughs> yeah, Jim. really, really good. <laughs> because that's how he's going to die. Uh, but yes, they do make it into the Badlands, as you mentioned earlier on, John, an area of the city that has never regained power. They never got anything good after the bridges went down. It just descended into a worse and worse place, as you can see by the kind of gangs that are around. I love the reaction of Harvey as, <laughs> yeah. as arrows start hitting the uh, hitting the truck and coming in and piercing them you know um it looks looks like a really really dangerous part of the city but- yeah it really does uh, although they are pretty shiny arrows to say the very least and they are pretty uh, piercing arrows as well given that they're able to go through the metal of the the trucks mm-hmm. uh, and seemingly fired by the uh, day of the dead uh, gang here <laughs> all looking very kind of uh, as if they're celebrating the day of the dead here with the skeleton face paints mm-hmm. um and, and really sort of going after them but they do manage to get past these and get to the soothsayers gang uh, which we've mentioned previously. And, and here they're able uh, ultimately to uh, rescue the, the kids that have been there. However, um, they are separated. So most of the children um, are, are sent back in the trucks with the uh, the police officers. Yeah. But a, a, a number are separated with Jim and Harvey. Um, and Gabriel, they, Gabriel again. It's Gabriel and the young kids, isn't it? Yeah, basically. And... Ultimately, they are having to work their way back to the GCPD zone on foot. So this is really dangerous now. And what happens um, to make it even more dangerous is that um, they try to find shelter in a house. And uh, it's a great moment where they go into this house and there is a candle in the window. And it's the two takes on this between Jim and Harvey as to this candle in the window. One where it is... um, safe harborage from uh, the violent badlands that Jim and Harvey and Gabriel and the kids have escaped mm-hmm. uh, from into this house uh, of safety. Uh, but ultimately, the alternative opinion here uh, is that it's a light used to tempt in people in order to do them over. Good and of course, Harvey's right. <laughs> exactly. And Harvey is very right. And um, as we see, Bodies burning in in an oven. We see rings still on fingers that have been separated. We see people's gold fillings. You name it. And of course, Harvey really does get the fright of his life here. As a mother and her child come for these people who are looking for safety. So really, really good. And Harvey's reaction is priceless it is fantastic they really reminded me of uh, the purge you know that that, oh, yeah, that movie yeah, yeah. and now tv show where these people in masks come up to kill people that are walking the streets on purge night effectively so these two characters mother and orphan we saw at the end of season uh, four we saw kind of a reference to the fact that they would be coming next season and um, this is the version. I don't think we're going to see them again, actually. I think this is just the moment to tell you to stay away from that house and get out of that area. Uh, but I love the reaction, as you said, of Harvey when he turns around and mother is standing behind them with her mask on and he just kicks her straight in the gut and runs. <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic. It really is a scary woman and then a scary kid. Uh, with the kind of whole hallucinogenic or, or sort of wibbly wobbly, uh, room that goes on. Um, it, it's just really nicely done, actually. Yeah. As the kid locks 
Jim and Harvey into yeah. a room with Mother again as she arrives. And again, this is Jim Gordon and Harvey Bullock. I know they are as scared as I would be in this situation, but Jim's reaction is to punch her in the face as well. So <laughs> knocking her mask straight off. And then they leg it straight out of there. There is no horror movie moment in here where one of them is cornered and they're going to die and the other one gets saved. It is literally punch and run, guys. Punch and run. <laughs> it is, but they punch and run straight into Case Note 5 um, mm-hmm. because outside of Scary House with Scary Mother and Scary Child inside it are two scary gangs that come to uh, take Jim's head because Case Note number 5, a price is on Jim's head. He has caused... Trouble and strife throughout Gotham. Yeah, yeah. And of course, shooting Penguin in the leg, the guy who controls all of the bullets in the city, has led to this huge bounty. And as they've always said, whoever controls the ammunition controls the power. So both of these gangs think, well, if we take Jim back to Penguin, we get all of these bullets and then we get a new place of power in the city of Gotham. With the two gangs closing in on Jim, you know, bullets are are scarce. I think he's got two left. We have the soothsayers on one hand and we have the Day of the Dead gang on the other Mm -hmm. closing in. um, And yeah, luckily for Jim, Barbara arrives in the most outrageous vehicle you could possibly, possibly imagine. Um, It is the most ridiculous gun-mounted vehicle ever in the history of Gotham. And I I loved it. (laughs) Uh, But she comes interrupting, killing both gangs. Jim saves her, though, from the uh, head of the Soothsayer gang. And in fact, Jim shoots the head of the Day of the Dead gang as well uh, in the head. He has two bullets um, and ultimately he uses them on the two leaders of the gang's closing in, but Barbara comes and uh, attacks the rest of the gang, uh, saving Jim, Harvey, and the kids. Um, but Jim saves Barbara from the head of the Soothsayer gang with his final bullet, mm-hmm. um, because she gets all mushy at this. She's a little touched here. She's kind of welling up in inside, I think. Kind of, but she still says that doesn't match the sacrifice that she made. The sacrifice that she made was to get Jim to agree to kill Penguin if she saved him. And that's what she still wants Jim to agree to when she's driving them back to the GCPD. But he says, we need to get back there. When we get back there, we'll talk about it kind of thing. Uh, They get back to this new area that that Lucius Fox has found, the new apartment block which is being filled up by uh, all of these tenants, all of these people that the GCPD are are keeping safe in Gotham. But Lish is saying now that there is a, a safe zone, people are streaming in and it will be full by the end of the day. I know that they blew the bridges and I know there wasn't very many evacuations that happened, but a lot of people seem to have been left behind in Gotham. Really have, yeah. But I mean, ultimately, this new area looks pretty, pretty decent. Mm-hmm. You know, it can house the kids, it can house... Uh, a number of the other displaced um, people as well from Gotham. So this looks like it's kind of, you know, on the up really for the GCPD zone as they have found this whole new uh, area that they can utilize for accommodation. So it ends with a pretty positive note. The kids saved. The gangs that at least they've met are... um, are dispatched yeah. quietly and nicely. Um, and this whole new area has been found by Lucius and is helping out the GCPD zone and 
the people that it's protecting. Yeah. Yeah, nice little ending for the episode. Uh, John, Gotham moment of the week. I know my one. My one is definitely Harvey's reaction to the mother being behind him. <laughs> oh, definitely that as well. It, it was a scream like I think I would do. Slightly too high pitched to be from a man, but nonetheless still happening. I've met a few men that scream like that, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but just that kick straight to the mother as, as yeah he exactly like it, it, it's that self-defense of sheer panic and it's fan- fantastic but i have to say along with that i do like babs's gun mounted vehicle what a contraption <laughs> it's just the arrival it's so cool it's like something out of mad max right in the middle of gotha but it's cool it is it's something <laughs> like mad max mary poppins would whip out of her bag you know to to just put the kids in their place and say well, behave you know i want to see your version of mary Poppins. rather definitely. than a spoonful of sugar it's a gun mounted vehicle filled with bullets nice yeah nice it'll definitely help the medicine go down <laughs> our gotham character of the week there's only really one choice you know our gotham character of the week is usually somebody that we won't see again in the future i have to say what they did with mother here in this episode uh the woman wearing the mask who is stalking harvey and jim has to be our gotham character of the week right yeah i think so i, I think the whole house with the mother and the child working together i loved how you know the child does pull the the wool over the eyes of of, of Jim. Mm-hmm. You know he, he thinks he's rescuing him, um, but ultimately they're working together, and they have this kind of factory of death and, and uh, looting going on. Uh, so really nicely done. Um, so yeah, definitely I think the character or characters of the week is the mother and the child, uh, along with the house. Uh, and it was nice to see that little bit of horror uh, inserted into uh, this this episode of Gotham as well. Absolutely. There are comic book characters called Mother and Orphan as well. Uh, they may be based off them. There's not a huge amount that I know about those characters. Uh, I know they were mentioned last season that we would see them back uh, if, we, if they got a fifth season. They have. We see them and they are creepy as hell. Really, really impressed. And really maybe look forward to next week's episode. John, how would you rate this episode of Gotham? Season 5, episode 2, trespassers i would rate this episode of gotham as four and a half magic acorns out of five i love the fact that we have ivy here and she is instrumental in both saving selena and making her become the feline warrior that is uh catwoman Mm -hmm. Uh, i love that you know we have the absolute we've we've seen a bit of the genesis of catwoman uh previously with selena kyle but here we get that physical transformation now focused on those eyes really really nicely done um i love how it puts david mazuz in to that uncomfortable position of having to trust and confront and approach um poison ivy or ivy pepper um you know these two really don't get on anymore and then we have the um you know the adventure the expedition into the dark zone the badlands of gotham to rescue these children and ultimately bring them out to a brighter future despite all the hiccups along the way um you know with this new zone and new area that lucius has found but obviously uh, having to overcome both the mother and the orphan or the mother and the child along with these two gangs the soothsayer and the day of the dead gang Uh, i'm sure that's not their official title Mm -hmm. but um i don't know otherwise what 
their their gang name is. Once again, though, a huge props to the makeup department in Gotham for making some more iconic characters in the show from the guys that are in the Suitsayers gang with their, with their skin bubbling when they yeah, don't have the really masks good. on to the yeah. Day of the Dead gang as you say that still of that gang has been out there for months that photograph of them and they're only in the episode for about two or three seconds really before they get shot down by Barbara but um, but they are iconic as they walk down the street towards them it's really cool to see these kind of representations of the wider city of Gotham No Man's Land it's quite cool to see yeah really really good and um, so, yeah, absolutely great episode here. Great episode, yeah. yeah, and it's it's again, it's just another solid performance from Gotham. So uh, fantastic stuff. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us for episode two of season five. Ten more episodes in the final season of Gotham to go. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on our website at GothamTVPodcast.com. There's loads of options there for you to subscribe to. We do have our voicemail options over on the website at GothamTVPodcast.com. Just click the send voicemail button on the right-hand side of the screen if you want to hear your voice on the podcast with us. You can also email us at feedback at GothamTVPodcast.com with any of your thoughts about any of the episodes of Gotham so far. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, with this being the final season of Gotham, we would absolutely love to hear from the community uh, and fans of Gotham. Uh, so join us on board here on the podcast. Um, it would be great to get your feedback on all of the episodes. And of course, please share the love and share the podcast. Mm-hmm. Listen, subscribe, rate us and leave a review. You can head on over to GothamTVPodcast.com to find the podcast catcher of your choice, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it, you can find us to search Gotham TV Podcasts. Absolutely. We'll be back next week with Gotham Season 5, Episode 3, Penguin, Our Hero. And a very special interview with Andrew Sellen, who plays Mr. Penn on Gotham. Yeah. We'll also have a bit more from David Mazous, uh, his thoughts on Episode 3 of this season of Gotham as well. So really looking forward to talking to you again. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us, Gothamites and fellow detectives. As always, it has been a pleasure. And assuming I'm not hijacked by a mother and her child, then I cannot wait to speak with you again next time. Bye. I'm David Mazuz, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. This is Andrew Sellen, Mr. Penn on Gotham, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast.